Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. In Defence of Father Sheehy, Part 2. If you've made it to part two of this episode around uh, Father Sheehy's sermon in Listol a couple of weeks ago, it sounds like you probably have already listened to part one and might be eager to hear reasons why I feel the Catholic Church still has a huge amount of power in the Irish primary education system. But if you haven't, um, it may be worth your while listening to why I am defending Father Sheehy, whether I agree with him or not. So hopefully um, you'll enjoy this part of the episode where I'm going to talk about some examples of how the Catholic Church has huge power within the Irish education system, why that's not such a good thing and what you can do about it if you want to see change. So let's start with the biggest issue of all, employment. I'm always amazed how people have this cognitive dissonance where they can't see how passively accepting the rules of Catholic schools creates huge issues in employment. For almost a decade now, Ireland has been going through a shortage of primary school teachers, as most of you know. Well, you certainly would know about it now, but it has been going over for over a decade. It's been in crisis, let's say, since 2016, and it's been, been beyond crisis in the last couple of years, with many schools unable to fill any posts, some posts. Now, the media are blaming houses and rental prices in Dublin. And sure, yeah, that is obviously a major part of the problem. But there are other barriers that don't help in any way and have to be part of that conversation. After all, there are plenty of jobs outside of Dublin that aren't being filled either. However, because of the insistence that if you want to work in a Catholic school, which is about 90% of schools, you need to get a certificate in Catholic education. And, you know, if you're not Catholic... There's absolutely no reason on earth why you'd want to put yourself through a situation where you would want to get a Catholic certificate in education. Why would you want to have to learn the tenets of a religion that mean nothing to you and in some ways go against your moral conscience, which in some ways they do? Why would you put yourself through it? Well, I point blank refused because it was completely against my moral conscience. And while I have no issue with people who want to be Catholics, I draw the line at expecting me to have to take part. Essentially, if you want to work in a Catholic school, you must take part, or at very best, you must lie convincingly enough that people think you are taking part. And honestly, it's not that easy to lie when you don't look like a Catholic. For someone like me, who's only slightly sallow-skinned, it is easier. And for about one and a half years, I managed to fake being a Catholic. But the reality was it became impossible for me to sustain sustain it. And I've spoken about that, how I inadvertently became a teacher without knowing how difficult it was being from an ethnic minority. I've spoken about my first interview, which lasted less than five minutes, because I didn't answer the question about upholding the ethos the correct way, uh, because I answered it honestly. Had I have known 
known what was expected of me in a Catholic school, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have chosen to be a teacher. I would have just done something else. In fact, I know I would have done something else. And while a lot of people who would have been happy about that, I'm sure a lot of people are happy, would have been very happy if I hadn't have bothered becoming a teacher, I adore teaching and I really like being a principal too. Yes, I get hugely frustrated with the system, but I also enjoy speaking about how frustrated I am too, as if you don't already know. However, this isn't about me and I always I always like to I know a lot of people make arguments about themselves. You know, they you know, I was saying earlier, a lot of people are saying, Well, I, I never saw any of that. I never saw anything like that. You know, as if because they haven't seen it, it's not happening. And it isn't just about me. What I'm talking about is anyone from an ethnic minority or from a minority background or someone who would describe themselves as an atheist or a humanist or someone like that. This is who I'm talking about when I talk about people because I'm not affected anymore by the I am affected by the system in, in many, many ways, but I I do have a job in a place in a school which respects the fact that I'm from a diverse background and um, you know but there are lots and lots of people who aren't in that situation so um, as I said it isn't it isn't about me um, this is about other people who are making decisions about becoming primary school teachers and one of the first barriers they face if they weren't raised in a Catholic family is this barrier I used to find it mad that people didn't see it as a real barrier, but the more and more I examine the education system, the vast majority of people don't see the amount of Catholicism that happens in schools. And I include people who aren't Catholic. They send their child into a Catholic school. And because of the um, subtleties of the whole thing, I don't think they realise how much Catholicism actually goes in the schools. I actually argue, and I, in fact, I'm, I don't even have to argue this very hard because people admit this freely to me. He, they say things like, well, Simon, you don't work in a Catholic school. You don't know what it's like. I mean, it isn't. It, there's very little Catholicism that happens in a school. And just like, it's amazing how people don't see it. And it goes back to my point about how we, how the success of the Catholic system is, is how they've embedded it into what we call Irish culture. For example, um, so for example, I mean, I, as I said, I had a huge number of people respond to my father Tweety, uh, sorry, father Tweety, father Sheehy Tweet, disgusted that I claimed Catholic schools are required to teach the same messages. And when I challenged them, they spoke about how they have never seen a single case of a teacher or a member of a staff or a pupil or a parent experience any form of problem due to the religion in the school. And I don't want to repeat myself, but I, I mean, I think I proved the naivety of this already. But let me continue with the examples in case. Ultimately, if you aren't Catholic, it is really, really, really hard to get a teaching job. So I wonder why anyone, particularly someone who is a visible minority, go through four years of teacher training, so to be only qualified as a teacher to get one job, to meet very little in the way of job prospects. Again, some of you might challenge me and ask for proof, and here's the proof. In 2019, 99.7% of primary school teachers self-identified as white and Irish, and just over 95% as either Catholic or Protestant. Compare that to the census records, I think that's the proof need. I also had the opportunity to speak 
at a fantastic conference about this issue. And as expected, the majority of the audience were very kind and they thanked me for raising the situation. People came up to me at the end to tell me that they find it really difficult working in the Catholic system and they're hugely concerned about their own children as they don't want them being subjected to the dogma that they know they have to teach. That happens that happens to me on a lot of occasions. And as a side, it was re- that was really interesting in itself for all those people that proclaim Catholic schools aren't really Catholic at all. But back to my point. I knew someone was going to disagree with me when I when I was giving the talk and I prepared myself for it. And I don't, I, to be honest, I don't mind that at all, despite what people think. I actually like when people disagree with me. But, um, you know, sorry, you know, because I, I, look, people disagree with me all the time and sometimes it can lead to interesting places. I mean, at the minute, as I'm recording this, I'm having a disagreement with a conservative Christian and it's a really respectful um, conversation. I, I, I'm I'm more than happy to disagree with her and she's more than happy to disagree with me. But we're not being insulting to each other, do you know? And sometimes, you know, it can lead to interesting places where my opinion gets changed. I mean, one thing uh, I can remember is homework was an area that springs to mind for me, uh, where my mind was altered somewhat from where I was very, 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 um, I suppose, gung-ho about my beliefs in, in about homework. But I, 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 from feedback and from talking to people, I've softened my approach a little bit. I still don't believe there should be homework in primary schools, um, you know, traditional homework anyway. And that's, you see, you see I'm already um, saying, you know, softening my approach and what I'm saying. But anyway, let's stick to the point. At the end, at the bit, you know where you say, does anybody have any questions? And nobody answers. Uh you know, well, or nobody asks any questions. Well, there was a question, and I was—I wasn't surprised because my talk was fairly hard-hitting. I was claiming the education system is racist. Um, a man stood up and he thanked me for the talk, and then he said, "But Simon, the thing you—the thing about you—is you're ahead of your time." We simply have to wait until we have enough diversity in Ireland to change things. So you're ahead of your time. Now, I'm not always belligerent. Um, uh, you know, and that might surprise you by the tone of this podcast, but I'm not always belligerent. So I smiled and I said I was very glad that he was happy with that. And he came up to me at the end and he shook my hand in the way people do at funerals. <laughs> no, not really. It wasn't that. But he did. He did make a point of shaking my hand. I, I don't really know why he went, came up to shake my hand. Maybe it was I didn't make an, I didn't kind of answer him back or I didn't make him feel bad or maybe because... He was saying, I'm just really sorry that the system isn't ready for you. I don't have any grievance towards the man because he represents the majority of people, in my opinion. You're ahead of your time is something that I've heard plenty of times in my career, whether that was in the days of me trying to push technology into classrooms to now trying to make the education system not institutionally racist. (laughs) I wondered, though, how long, how long should I have to wait before someone like me is welcome in the system. Should I have to wait until the majority have stopped being institutionally racist or prejudiced? Maybe they could let me know and I can let the other minorities know that they can apply for teaching jobs because the truth is that man is telling the truth. We're not ready for minorities. We're not, we don't have a system set up that caters for people who aren't at least passport ticking or um, census ticking Catholics or box ticking Catholics or bouncy castle Catholics or a la carte Catholics or whatever other demeaning term people want to put on people who claim to be Catholic but don't want to do the the tough stuff. You know, 
the system isn't ready for diversity and having religious barriers prevents religious schools from having to ask themselves those difficult questions of themselves. And if you allow a bunch of minorities into the system and change it to ensure it isn't coloured by Catholicism, well, how are you not going to teach about the issues that Father Sheehy doesn't like? The employment thing goes even further back. Look at teacher training colleges in DCU, for example. They segregate along religious lines to, on entry. If you're a Catholic, sorry, if you're a Protestant, right, you can get into DCU on a different point system than everybody else. And they, when they say everybody else, they actually mean Catholics because they don't give any other minority any, benef- any benefit. They still look at teacher training in Irish teacher training colleges along Catholic and Protestant schools and the miscellaneous can go to hell, essentially. Because, you know, they don't give the advantages to anybody else. And so you ha- basically what you have there is adults not being allowed into teacher training because they weren't born Protestant. I mean, it's not just Catholics I go after, by the way. Any denomination. It's madness how we allow this sort of stuff. However, the biggest problem of all, and would you believe isn't all of the above, the biggest problem for people like me who slip through those cracks and infiltrate the system, it is the biggest reason why the vast majority of the very, very few minorities in the system, why we don't speak out. I can speak out because I'm, I'm in a school that is able to, uh, is a, it respects uh, my, the, the diversity I bring to the profession. But if I worked in a Catholic school, you could be damn sure I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. The simple reason for that is Section 37 of the Employment Equality Act, which allows schools and other religious institutions to discipline anyone that is perceived to be a threat to the school's ethos, to the ethos of the organisation. That is a law. You are allowed to discriminate on religious grounds and discipline, even up to the point of firing someone that's perceived to be a threat to the the ethos of the school. Now, in 2015, LGBT plus staff were given an exception to this, which was good. But the reality is it makes very little difference because only 18% of LGBT plus teachers are out in their workplace, which says to me that even if the law is on your side, you know, if you scrapped section 37 and did nothing else, I don't think it would make a huge amount of difference. I mean, really, because in Rooted, you can always discriminate. You can always discriminate, um, you know, even if the law, uh, in, in a subtle way. So in any case, if you don't believe the Catholic message of your school you're working in, do you think you could really publicly speak out about it? Because you know you could be disciplined, even if you aren't fired. So that's the employment issues covered, albeit a little bit quicker than I usually would. And as I said, I could dedicate an entire episode of all of these issues. I've already covered covered RSE earlier, so I won't go into too much more detail into it. But suffice to say, it's the one area that most a la carte Catholics struggle with. I I have to admit, I get a small bit of pleasure when I see them trying to trying to reason it out, and but I (laughs) because I can't. uh, But what I don't get pleasure out of is how some of them seem to think everything would be perfectly fine if the church just backed off on this one inconvenient issue but still hosted their little Johnny and Mary's communion party. There are far too many politicians out there at the moment talking about facts-based sex education. We need all schools to have facts-based education, uh, sex education, while completely ignoring the root of the problem of why we don't have fact-based sex education in our primary schools. And then being naive enough to think that they even changed, that they changed the law to force schools to teach facts-based RSE uh, programs, that the schools themselves won't 
won't be forced to completely ignore that diktat by their boards of management and patron bodies. As I said before, the same thing happened with the admissions bill and the government weren't able to do a damn thing about it. And to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed when the so-called baptism barrier was moved from outside the school's gate, inside the school building and under that carpet because the baptism barrier was a visible sign of what actually happens in religious schools. They weren't allowing them in, but once they allowed them in, how are they going to treat them? Uh, How are they going to treat them? Essentially, all that happens now is children are allowed into the school but unless they also pretend to be Catholic they are treated as second class citizens and it's not just Catholic schools I'm having a pop at here all denominational schools do this too I've spoken before on the podcast about an ex-classmate of mine um, who, at a reunion, talked about how she was always treated nicely, but she also always knew she wasn't going to be treated as well as the Jewish students in the school. So, in effect, she accepted the token of being treated nicely, but also being a second-class citizen of the school. And I would be really annoyed if the government passed some law to force Catholic schools to teach the full RSC programme. What lesson are we teaching people when we do it? Essentially, it's okay to pick and choose the bits that we like of things and, you know, the things that we don't like in life, we cannot do those. In the words of Bart Simpson, should we just go with do what we feel? I mean, it's madness. I'm sorry, if you want your little Mary to dress up as a bride and never grace the door of a church, well, you have to suck up that your little Mary isn't going to have a proper relationships and sexual education. That's what you're going to have to suck up. If you want to have your little day out, that's the cost of doing so. Anyway, let's move on. One of my favourite responses to my tweet was, <laughs> I'm sorry, I think you greatly overestimate the power of the church in Dublin, said someone who must be from Dublin and thinks that people from Dublin are much more enlightened than those in those backward places outside the pale, those bleeding book savage culties. Ha! They had RDO in Dublin. Ha! We're much more enlightened. Well, let me give you one word. Malahide. Yes, if you are from Dublin and have spent the last while eye-rolling because this would never happen in the enlightened capital city, just uh, just ask the people of Malahide, where in 2019, one of eight Catholic schools were asked to divest to a multi-denominational provider. Yes, just one out of eight schools were asked to divest. The most likely Uh, to be chosen school was Oliver Plunkett National School, which is one of the most diversely populated primary schools in the country, or so they would say. Um, And they were told uh, by the by, I suppose, the board of management or by the people representing Oliver Plunkett National School, divesting from the Catholic patronage would be a Brexit-type disaster, a Brexit-style disaster. Yes, you heard that right. A few years on, you might have forgotten what a disaster Brexit was for the UK. Well, I can't imagine you would. But the language was, as I said, while very Irish times, it was very deliberate. Brexit was seen as an embarrassing error of the normal everyday people listening to the elitist powers who had lied to them, saying that Britain would be better off not being under the tyranny of the European Union. So let me, I suppose, labour this point a little bit. The normal people of St. Oliver Plunkett National School were told that they were being duped by the elitists of Educate Together who were making promises that a better world would occur if they left that warm and cosy embrace and safety of the Catholic Church. On the face of it, one might have expected the people of Malahide 
to welcome a multi-denominational school to their area. For those of you not in the know, Malahide is a town in the north of County Dublin and it is one of the most liberal areas of Ireland with the highest percentage of people voting in favour of same-sex marriage and abortion rights for women in the country. Interestingly too, it was a place picked for the first Citizens' Assembly on abortion rights for women. And it's also a town with only denominational schools only Catholic and only Protestant schools and the cure but just in case some of you think oh hold on a second Simon there is a school called Malahide Port Marnock educate together but that's actually four kilometres just over four kilometres from Malahide on foot and it's longer by car and it's a 30 minute bus journey hardly Malahide um, surely the people of Malahide were simply waiting for the government to step in and offer them a school that didn't force children to be indoctrinated into a faith they had so roundly rejected by over 70% in both referenda alas it was not to be every rumour every myth Every lie about multi-denominational providers was thrown at the community by this powerless Catholic organisation. And in the end, the divestment of even one out of eight of their schools, just one school, fell apart. So please, dear Dubliners, don't be talking a load of coddle. Because when it comes to the power of the Catholic Church in primary schools in Ireland, for me, the Malahide story demonstrated to me that it couldn't be any more powerful. One of the most liberal areas in Dublin couldn't even manage to divest one school. Not a, a, It's madness. One school they couldn't get that wouldn't be under the Catholic or Church of Ireland patronage. Now, some of you might be waiting for me to announce that is it. There is the proof. It proves to you, QED, that Father Sheehy was basically saying what is literally happening in Catholic schools. But obviously, I don't think Catholic schools are telling children directly that homosexuality is wrong and contraception is wrong and using the term transgenderism at all. Father Sheehy represents what the Catholic Church quietly stands for. They very much stand for it. But when it comes to the school, it's much quieter. I mean, one of my friends, uh, one of my friends has told me that he was speaking to a Polish lady um, and she was very amused at the furore sounding, uh, you know, around this sheehy sermon. And she was saying, sure, that's pretty much the weekly ser- sermon in most Polish masses. In Ireland, what's actually happened is probably exactly what you've heard from some of the commentary from some of the more conservative media sources, the likes of your grits and all that kind of gang. That is, the priests are too afraid now to speak out, to defend the tenets of Catholicism. And to be fair to Father Sheehy, he is spewing that message out and he's not afraid to do so. And you'll get no argument out of me that it is a horrible message. And I think it's disgusting and it's dreadful to have to listen to someone filled with such contempt for their fellow human being but you have to defend his right to defend Catholicism because that whether you whether you like it or not that is the rules of Catholicism now I listened to some of the radio interviews and I have to say I was I I, I was laughing I was laughing at the radio presenters quoting bits of the Bible at Father Sheehy I mean it's like it's like you know a parent coming to me after googling something around teaching and telling me how to teach a child kind of thing i mean it that this it's so it it just sounded pathetic to be honest with you i mean i don't know i mean it just 
it was it was pathetic. Christianity and Catholicism. I think I think what a lot of people mix up is that Christianity and Catholicism are not one and the same thing. And I think most people that tick the Catholic box seem to think it is. All Catholics are Christians, sure enough, but not all Christians are Catholics. Love thy neighbor isn't a Catholic thing. It's a Christian thing. And even someone could even argue it's not even a Christian thing. It's just a tiny, teeny one verse of Christianity. And to be honest, the people who are outraged aren't acting Catholic. And to be honest, they they might be better suited to the Church of Ireland, the way they're going. It's, you know, the way, it, to me, it's similar to the way, you know, Mary McAleese, the former president of Ireland, she goes on about the Catholic Church and, and, and gives out about them all the time. And I wonder why she doesn't simply become Protestant, because the things that she actually wants for the Catholic Church are already absolutely acceptable to the Church of Ireland. I mean, for example, they can have female priests and they're much more tolerant of homosexuality. But unfortunately, whether people like it or not, Catholicism can't be whatever you want. I mean, I can't decide just because I want to eat pork sausages, I should campaign to the rabbis that it should be possible, even if I could prove the reason for not eating pork is outdated. And to be honest with you, this is a complete aside though, there is an actual theory out there of why Jews can't eat pork. And it's got, it isn't just to do with the, because God says. You know, there is an actual, uh, an actual kind of logic towards it, but that's not for this podcast. But I mean, I couldn't campaign to anyone to say, oh, well, we should, Jews should be able to eat pork because the reason's silly. Similarly, if you don't like the fact that being LGBT plus or using contraception or all the other things the Catholic dogma considers wrong, then you need to realise that by keeping their schools going, you are part of the problem. You can sin by omission and not mention any of the things when you're teaching pupils and you can dress your child up as a bride in May and not think about why you are doing it. But you can't change the fact that by doing so, you are, by saying nothing, allowing the father she-he's of this world continue to be legitimate in their views because they have the power. When you don't enter the different families' same love competition as a teacher, you're basically saying LGBT issues are wrong. When you don't teach the full RSE programme, you are saying that contraception is wrong. When you allow a child to sit at the back of your classroom, and when you allow your enrolment policy to state that you have the right to exclude a child based on their religious views, you are basically saying that Catholicism is the only faith that is truly acceptable in the school. And while you're doing that, you're really no better than Father Sheehy, if you do nothing about it. In fact, instead of giving out about him, we should be thanking him for reminding us of what being a Catholic actually means. And if you don't like them, then you should be doing something about it instead of chasing after the man. There's plenty you can do about it instead of outsourcing your own guilt and hypocrisy onto the priest. Why not look at yourself? And, you know, you might ask me, well, what can I do about it then? You know, okay, fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. That's a fair point. But really, what can I do about it? Well, do you know what? You're very lucky because I'm happy to tell you. The first thing you can do is speak out, even in a small way. I know how difficult that might be, but even in a small way. And let me tell you what you can do if you're a parent of a child. The first thing you can do, and it's as easy peasy, is opt your child out of faith formation. Just do it. I would like to opt my child out of faith formation. And if enough people do that, it becomes ridiculous. To, to keep it going. And, you know, you've got some schools in inner city uh, Dublin, Catholic schools, 
where more than 50% of the students aren't Catholic. And it's ridiculous that they're Catholics, they have a Catholic ethos now, because at, at, at when you do the 30 minutes of faith formation during the day, half the class aren't involved in it. I mean, it just makes no sense. At least half of the class aren't, aren't in it. And it just makes absolutely no sense. So to opt out, you don't have to do it. You know, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that makes you do it. And the more and more people that do it, the more ridiculous it becomes. You can write to your school principal and ask them as well. Another, another thing you could do even, and if you don't want to opt your kid out, is ask them exactly what opting out means and then share it with it everywhere. Because the thing is, the schools aren't telling what's happening. Well, you tell people because the answer is going to be unsatisfactory. Of course it's going to be unsatisfactory. Nobody wants to put in writing, I will be sending children to the back of the classroom while we're doing faith formation. You know, it doesn't sound good. So publish it. Put it out there. I wrote to my school principal and this is how, this is how children are being opted out in this school. You don't even have to name the school. You just have to say, this is how children are being opted out. It's, I'm not saying you should embarrass schools, but you, I mean, don't, you don't have to name your schools, but these are small things to make it as ridiculous as it is. And don't, do you know what? Don't, another thing is just don't fall into the trap of being silly. Um, because there's there's some silly people out there, right? And what they do is they say things like, oh, I gave my child the choice of whether they wanted to make their communion or not. Do you know? And they chose. There was really nothing I could do. My eight-year-old child made the choice, you know? Now, you don't give your eight-year-old the choice to do thousands of things. Never like, I mean, making your communion is a massive undertaking where you're making promises um, that you're going to be, you know, and you know, you won't let your child on a, on a mobile phone, I trust. You wouldn't let your, you certainly wouldn't let them have a social media account, I'd, I'd expect. You would, some of you wouldn't even let their photo be online because, oh no, gosh, it's not, a, you know, it's not okay, you know, they didn't give me permission to give, give my, you know, put my photo or their photo on. This kind of nonsense. You don't fall into the trap of being stupid and silly and saying you're, make, you're giving your child a choice. You make the choice for your child. Now, that's your parents, school staff. The same goes for you. Don't do nothing, is what I'll say to you. Doing nothing is being a bystander. Now, I understand how much more difficult it is for you because if you do something, your job might be at risk. And there are, But there are ways you can make changes. I mean, let's look at an example of a group of people, a small group of people that made a massive change. And it's the INTO LGBT plus group and what they have achieved in 20 years. Write to your union and ask them to set something up for teachers who don't want to be teaching faith formation and something they don't particularly believe. It can be an anonymous group until it doesn't need to be. There are thousands, I would say, I would reckon there are thousands of teachers out there who, who at least don't want to be preparing children for sacraments, I'd say there's at least hundreds who don't want to be teaching religion at all. But the reality is, for teachers anyway, um, I know, and maybe uh, other staff, I know I'm asking too much because there is that Section 37 of the uh, Equality uh, Employment Equality Act where you could be disciplined for doing what you're doing. And I get it. And also I get it even if you do do it and you don't get disciplined. And I know, I, 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 I mean, I get all that. And I do realise that ultimately it doesn't really matter what you do sometimes and maybe that's why you don't do it. Because in fairness, the only thing, the you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I know is, is that, ugh, is 
the only thing you can probably do is not be giving out about Father Sheehy. Just don't give out about him because that's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. But I do understand that the reality is it comes down to politics. And the answer is exceptionally simple. We have to make serious moves to separate the influence of religion in our schools. And I'm not sure how we can do that as teachers. That is something that the state need to do. They need to think about their actions. They need to think about all the money they pump into um, into private institutions like the Catholic Church where they build them buildings and hand them over, gift them over much like the National Maternity Hospital. They fund um, them with capitation grants, with ancillary grants. They fund and fund and fund and they get nothing in return except for, well, we own the land and the building so you can't have anything. Like, they're f- every, like they can't even introduce proper sex education because the Catholic Church won't let them. Well, do you know what? Stop the funding. Stop the fu- Well, I mean, I'm sure they can't stop the funding, but come to an arrangement with the funding. This is the simplest way we can make this transfer happen. The, ca- the Catholic Church and the state need to come to some sort of arrangement where when the state gives the Catholic Church money, uh, that basically it's taken away from the cost of the land, from the cost of the building. So there's a gradual transfer over of these Catholic buildings and land, put a value on it and then pay it off over, let's say, 10 to 15 years or whatever it might be. It's as simple as that. And if if the Catholic Church don't want to be involved in that, well, then they don't get any money and they figure it out for themselves. I know it's a bit of a, I don't know how it would work, but I mean, it seems like the most obvious way of doing it. Instead of the state just pumping money into like, into a black hole. I mean, it's a really poor investment that you get nothing out of your investment every year. Do you know? And to be honest, you know, I think that's the solution. In order to separate the influence of religion in our schools, we need to do something at a political level. And if I were the Minister for Education, that's the first thing I'd do. So there you have it. Um, it's amazing what you can pick up from a mass uh, who said uh, yeah, the mass is boring. Uh, it's certainly not when Father Sheehy is giving the ceremony or the sermon. Um, you know, ultimately lots and lots can come from it. Even from my point of view as um, someone who doesn't practice the faith, um, I learned a lot about how people see the Catholic religion in the Catholic education system as merely cultural or uh, merely, um, I suppose, uh, having no power whatsoever. But I hope I've convinced you at this stage that there's a lot of power left um, and the reasons behind it and why it's not such a good thing. And perhaps, maybe, if you think it's not a good thing, you might want to do something about it um, to ensure that we have uh, some solutions that will help everybody uh, feel included in their local primary school. So that's it for me. I'll be back to you next week and uh, hopefully again with a nice episode. I've been trying to do this nice episode on Finland for I'd say about six weeks now. So hopefully there'll be no news up until Christmas. Um, But we'll see how we get on. I don't know how lucky I'll be. Listen, thanks so much for listening. All the best. Bye bye.